Hey, this is Mark Parrish here from Northland Vodka, and you are listening to the Soda Pod. And welcome back to another episode of MNCAA as part of our postseason recap. Joining us this week to talk things all St. Clancy Huskies. Of course, you know him, the man, the myth, the legend. At least that's what he tells himself. It is Noah Grant. Uh, Noah, welcome back. Hey, what's going on? It's, uh, yeah, middle of the week here, and I uh, can't believe it's May already. The time has certainly it's flown by fast. It doesn't, you know, doesn't really feel like the national championship game was barely you know a month away already yeah that crazy it's it's weird how quickly things evolve right from the end of the season to shall we say postseason type activities and uh college hockey see no short of this right uh so for those who have been living under a rock and and did not know uh how saint cloud fared this past uh, season. Let's talk about how their season ended and then some of the changes we've already seen uh, and maybe more to expect. So let's start with uh, let's start with that. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at this St. Cloud team, obviously going to be a different roster coming into next season here. Uh, and it was a season that all things considered, I, I think you have to be pleased with if you're St. Cloud, right? I mean, you have a lot of players that uh, you know, came in a guy like Grant, Grant Kirkshank, for example, who ends up with the Toronto Marlies, who had a really good season in a Husky sweater. And uh, when we got a chance to talk to Brett Larson, talked about how they wish they could have had him for all five years, right? It would have been a great addition. So, um, yeah, it, this Huskies team, no doubt, is going to look a little bit different. But at the same time, there's a really good core that I think Brett Larson has put in place. And once again, Hasn't been afraid to dip in the transfer portal, but has done so very in a very limited fashion. So, uh, again, the the mo that we've seen from Brett and his staff over the over the years has played out last season and is now playing out over the summer again. Here, the St. Cloud team, especially with the good goaltending they had last season, they have a chance to put themselves in a really good spot for next season. So, it's certainly turning into an exciting off season, at least on the men's side. Exciting is one word, right? Um, the offseason for college hockey, uh, depending on which team you follow here on MNCAA, has been either up or, shall we say, way down. Uh, we're not talking about Minnesota State by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but, Noah, let's talk about some pieces, right? Because uh, what's and maybe before we do that, let's maybe take uh, some points away from our interview here on the Huskies Warming Nose podcast uh, with Brett Larson. Uh, some of the things that we learned, we learned of a couple of uh, some major things uh, from Brett Larson. And also uh, maybe part of that Minnesota State thing I mentioned is uh, there was some, uh, I should say some, there was quite a bit of chatter that he was one of the names that could end up there. Um, when I say there, I mean Wisconsin. Can you tell that even I almost feel like I woke up. But what, what you know, some of your key takeaways from that interview that you uh, you and I did with Brett? Yeah, I mean, well, take your pick. Where do you want to start? I, you know, I, I think really um, the sense that I got from Brett is that they expected that they had the ability to go further last season, but they also realized that it was a great season and 
they realized that they were already in the process again, like I said, of creating a good team for next year. They knew they were going to lose some key pieces. They knew they were going to lose players that were difference makers on this team or guys that were fifth year players, graduate transfers that their eligibility was just going to be complete. So, um, you know, and, and in St. Cloud's um, maybe not typical fashion. I know we saw Joey Lammer last season, for example, but Chase Brand, Brady Zemer, both on the way out uh, at the end of the year and kind of talking about how to alleviate that with a couple of guys that at the time when we talked to Brett, we didn't know who they were. We now know it's Carl Falk on the back end, Nick Ports on the forward side, coming from Alaska and North Dakota, respectively. Um, again, two guys who five and nine points, respectively, they don't jump out you know, off the page at you statistically but neither did a guy like Dylan Anhorn and he's returning next season uh, after having a great year before going down with injury in the second half of the season. Uh, Zach Okabe returns guys that have been integral to what the Huskies brought to the table last year. Um, and you look at the growth of a guy like Zach Okabe, which, you know, Brett raved about him, uh, a guy that, you know, you go back two years ago was just kind of starting to show those that those little buds, the little flourishing uh, of the player that he could be um, and the physicality that he brought to the table. It, I think that's what excites me most about our interview with Brett is just the start of uh, just the start of a team that is going to have a very good veteran presence. They're going to be a little young on the back end, but enough of a veteran presence but also enough of a youth infusion with some guys that have had to wait an extra year or two of junior eligibility. Uh, yeah. I think that's what I pulled most from Brett's interview is just the fact that, uh, you know, we're, <laughs> we were in April at that time and he's already, you know, fired up and ready to go for next season. And that's exactly the attitude you like to see. I want to stick with this a little bit, Noah, because there's been some recent chatter about, shall we say, the college hockey offseason and more in particular, the transfer portal. Right. In fact, uh, I want to get your comment on this. How about the, uh, the reports again from Adam Woden that uh, essentially Rico Blasi and uh, uh, Derry say, was it uh, Michigan's assistant? Um, you know, shall we say had a, a disagreement, if you want to call it that, against uh, you know, what appeared to be labeled tampering? Uh, by essentially stealing a player. That's, that's the accusation. Um, it sounds like, at least in the media, that they've said that um, they have sort of talked it out and everything's fine. Uh, but more importantly, you know, when we talk about St. Cloud and the transfer portal, um, you know, Dylan Anhorn, uh, we can go back to Jared Cockrell, Seamus Donahue, uh, again, Grant Kirkshank. St. Cloud hasn't necessarily been the most active team per se, a player here, maybe two, I think maybe the most I've ever done was three. And I, that might not even be accurate. They may be even two, but when they go out and get players from there, there's a very specific purpose in mind. And over the last little bit, those little missing pieces, Brett Larson's hit home runs. Uh, talk about how really difficult that can be, right? Because you can talk about the individual player, this skill set and the style that they play, you still really don't ever know how well that player is going to fit in uh, to the lineup until he starts skating with his teammates. Yeah, you don't know it for a variety of reasons. Number one being conference strength, right? You look at Carl Falk, right, coming from Alaska. Let's not sugarcoat it. Fairbanks had a great season this year, probably should have made the NCAA tournament. Um, 
but you wonder how the parody translates to day in, day out, and CHC play. Is he going to be a top four defenseman for this team? Is he going to be a safety valve in the top six that's going to fill nicely in a third pairing and let one of the other guys kind of maybe take the next step? A guy like Jack Peart, hopefully having a breakout year next season, for example. Um, like you said, yeah, you don't really know. Um, but what St. Cloud really has done is they've kind of had this uncanny ability of grabbing guys that um, – they could go either way. You know at their baseline, they're going to be serviceable at worst, so to speak. And at best, they're going to follow a developmental path that's going to you know, help them flourish as better hockey players. St. Cloud also, for a variety of reasons, um, albeit a great program, sometimes is not the number one primo destination for college hockey players in the portal too as well. So, you know, you got look at a guy like Isaac Howard, right? Coming from Duluth, St. Cloud was not going to be high on his list. So as much as you'd love to see him in a Husky sweater, and not to say Brett Larson didn't maybe explore that avenue, he just was not a guy that, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be that he was going to stay in the nchc so you're identifying a fit you're identifying players who obviously are productive and good hockey players players who want to come to st cloud and then you've got to beat out everybody else right if you want a player somebody else likely also wants that player so trying to make a good sales pitch on top of that it's an extremely difficult challenge and knowing that you're balancing this against the current roster that you have also has to be a good fit personality wise like you mentioned they have to you know get along in the locker room and things like that and you also you want to foster competition but you don't want to take away from both the incoming freshmen or guys that are looking to try to jump and develop in elevated roles or who have been, been kind of i don't want to say waiting in the wings but maybe ready for their next jump and all of a sudden you're like yeah you're not going to be a top four defenseman because now we brought this guy in and now you're not going to get your shot no matter how well you're playing so you've got to balance all of those things and identify one two maybe three guys uh that are going to fit into that system seamlessly and as Brett also mentioned in our interview, he said, I, I think we're going to see less and less of the the ginormous shock to the system that we see each year, um, where it basically is almost like NHL free agency at this point. I think we're just once we start getting out of the COVID rules, we're going to see less and less of that impact and maybe kind of come back more to relative normal. But yeah, it, it is a, a difficult challenge because the more players you bring in, you're also telling somebody else in junior who may otherwise be ready back in 2016 2015 before the COVID eligibility rules that would have otherwise made the jump that they got to stay another year in junior too so that's not a decision brett or his coaching staff takes lightly so uh two guys right now in the fold for the huskies that are going to make the jump you always love seeing north dakota lose players uh can't complain about that right so uh, and of course uh local st cloud ties uh for ports as well too so uh one forward one defenseman and hopefully it pays off like it has it uh brett larson has had a good track record in the past couple of years Hate to say this, but North Dakota also picked up a couple of good players in return. Unfortunately, so the well, uh, I mean, Pearson, uh, being when, a big one in net. Well, when you decimate your entire defensive core, I suppose at some point one of them's got to be good, just just right. based on the aggregate, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and you know, just because you replace bodies too, uh, you know, learning how to play together um, as a unit mm -hmm. and under a system, essentially redoing the entire defensive core, and even the guy between the pipes, that's going to be an interesting team to follow. Just how quickly they can assimilate to work together, right? That's going to be quite the challenge, I think, for Brad Berry and his staff. But uh, keeping things local here, right, with St. Cloud. Uh, last offseason, dare we say it, there was different expectations. 
you know, right? Uh, and and it's not for better or for worse. But I guess let's just ask the, the simple question. What are the expectations heading in to 2023, 2024? Well, I think if you're St. Cloud, and Brett has talked about this too, your goal has to be to finish in the top half of that conference in the NCHC. I think that still is the expectation. They've got a good group here. The Huskies have 10 forwards and at least six defensemen in the fold right now, maybe seven. We still haven't heard anything from Andre Trayball. The expectation is that he's going to sign a professional contract. Have not seen anything yet, um, so we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that. But um, And then you've got a couple of freshmen uh, you know, who – Shocker, like it always has been, is going to be part of the determinant as to how good this Huskies team really was. I think we saw in the year prior a group that obviously had a really hot start kind of collapse in the second half. And part of that was, um, you know, some young guys being pushed into roles or opportunities and maybe not, you know, not that they were drowning by any means, but they just, you know, they weren't this otherworldly contributor that was able to kind of take a game on their shoulders a little bit that comes with experience. You look at a guy like, you know, Yami Cranola who just went pro, right? Remember him and his freshman season, you could see the potential, you could see the flashes. And then finally his sophomore year, he kind of broke through. And then when he was an upperclassman, I mean, then he was, a, you know, a grade a, you know, NCHC college hockey player. So, um, yeah, I think the expectation certainly is uh, the ability to finish in the top half of this conference. They still have Dominic Bassey coming back, which, um, I think alleviates a lot of pressure that defensive core is going to be young. So mm-hmm. that adjustment is going to kind of be uh, kind of imperative to that success. And on the forward side, uh, can the young guys just be serviceable or better, so to speak, um, and work from the back end up. So a lot of good freshmen potentially coming into the fold too. So um, I definitely think the expectation is for this Huskies team, not only to finish in the top half, I- I'd say they could finish in a top two spot in the NCHC. Um, I, I I don't um, I, I just look around North Dakota, like you mentioned, bringing in a lot of good players also been decimated quite a bit. So you really it, it's kind of a wild card bag of tricks that you don't really know what you're going to get out of that one. So I can't really um, I mean, we we picked him to be in the top two last year and look how that turned out. Um, Predictions haven't been our, our a game. Yeah, Denver <laughs> losing a couple of key pieces. Um, they'll still be okay. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't really know that I look around and I see another team in the NCHC where I'm like, boy, they got substantially better at this current point, or they're bringing in a freshman class that I feel like they're just going to be head and shoulders above everybody else. The Huskies have a great chance to do um, a lot of really good things again this season. They really do. Um, and mind you, uh, St. Cloud had its own adversity this past season, right, with um, the loss of uh, some key players, especially Enhorn, the back end, who is coming back for um, another year, which is huge for that Husky defensive mm-hmm. core. Uh, but no, I know a lot of this is speculation still, so let's talk a little bit about what are we expecting in terms of uh, new freshmen coming in right now. Again, uh, we don't know officiality of a lot of these names so this is still a lot of speculation uh but uh what are we hearing what is the expectation of players that you know as far as maybe call it percentage wise or you know is is it you know like seat geek is on a one to ten scale you know ten being they're coming one being no way um of the players that sync club might welcome in as part of its freshman class for 23 24 yeah, well, I think uh, first, if you want to start with goaltenders, of course, James Gray backing up Bassey here this season. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets some game time. Isaac Posh is the other netminder that's, uh, you know, 21 years old, now 6'3", 209, the Swedish native. Um, had a pretty good year for the Wilderness in the Null um, after kind of taking a, a half step backwards from the USHL. Um, it played on a Sioux Falls team the previous season that was 
brutally not good. Not good. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But uh, that I would imagine would be our three goaltenders unless something wild changes in, in the near future here. On the defensive side, the Huskies already, like I said, at least six defensemen. Uh, you know, you mentioned Anhorn, Josh Lidke, Jack Peart, uh, Cooper Wiley, Mason Reiners, um, and Carl Falk, like we mentioned, and potentially Andre Trayball. So I would imagine on the defensive side, you already have Caleb Thiessen, who... 65209 <laughs> 20 year old ontario native um played He's with got some growing to do is what it sounds like yeah i, I guess <laughs> um yeah I, maryland black bears in the null had 20 points last season um it's his last year of eligibility so i imagine he is on his way leo gruba is the other that i would say i mean he's only 19 but having a great year with the fargo force i could see him making the jump so i would imagine at least both of those defensemen i would not be shocked if st cloud either maybe dips in the portal one more time or maybe brings one more young body up and carries nine defensemen. That kind of seems about par for the course. Um, usually you like to have three defensemen in the wings in case somebody gets hurt or whatever reason. So, um, but I anticipate those two, I, I think would be the two most likely candidates. We mentioned the force as well. Uh, Werner Mietnin, very strong possibility that he can make the jump too. That force team is just having a very good year. So a lot of guys with good statistical numbers, um, Jack Ryman, who's 20 from Ham Lake, Minnesota. He had a really good year in Des Moines in the USHL, good two-way centerman, which the Huskies, they lost three of their four regular centers. So I, there's no doubt in my mind with your last year of eligibility and the fact that he's a, he's a 200 foot center. I think he's making the jump for sure. So um, other than that, I, I think the intrigue really lies along the forward side, right? You look at a guy like Tyson Gross, who's 20 years old, had a good year with Cedar Rapids in the USHL. He's a guy that I could see getting a look. A um, couple of guys that are young, Gavin Thorson, Barrett Hall, right? 18 and 19, respectively. Just eye-popping numbers. The question is, are you willing to let them make the jump? Or are you looking at a guy who's maybe a little bit older, like Lubomir Kupko, um, and seeing if he can make the jump on the forward side too. So I think that's where the, we're going to see a lot more speculation is on the offensive side, just because um, more opportunity, knowing that you've only got 10 spots filled right now, usually most teams carry 14, if not 15 forwards. So, I mean, you got four to five guys that are bound to come in and I've named two, maybe three that I feel fairly confident about. So certainly some fluctuation possibilities there. And of course those 10 forwards include uh, the transfer of Nick Ports. So uh, yeah, the Huskies certainly have some decisions to make, but again, we've seen the Wavo babies work before and we just sent them off into the sunset for the most part. So uh, Brett Larson has a very good problem on his hands. It's from one Wavo babies to the other generation of the Wavo babies, right? It's sort of how college hockey works. Right. Um, and that's kind of what makes it fun, right? Is, you know, what Brett Larson has, not only continued when he first came in, right, but has can you know essentially, uh, you know, what's the lack you know lack of a better word, uh, hasn't let fall is the recruiting side of things, right? Um, and what's to say this uh, college hockey has been a little bit more saturated since he's been here, right? St. Thomas is on board uh, this upcoming season. Augustana is on board. In fact, uh, both Chase Brand and Brady Z and Brady Zimmer heading to Augustana as part of uh, their transfer portal um, exits from St. Cloud, uh, which is you know, he'll say this good for them, right? If, if there wasn't room or felt like the roles that they were looking for weren't going to be available. Um, that's one thing I've always appreciated about Brett Larson. And I want to get your thoughts on this because we asked him this and that is, you know, how 
closer you are with the players, meaning how open, right? Because he talked about pro contracts and how, you know, you're usually working closely with not only the players, but potentially their agent, the teams, if they're a draft pick, their development uh, coordinator uh, to make sure they're on the right track and, you know, they're, they're trending in the right direction. So I would imagine Brett Larson is the same with these two, because you got to remember uh, these two against Zemer was it, uh, mostly out of the lineup. Chase Brand essentially kind of fell out of favor. At least it seemed like that way towards the end of the season. And, you know, sometimes honest conversations are best and you don't want to halt a player's dreams of trying to play more hockey. Um, do you get that sense from Brett Larson that these are open conversations or, you know, are these just players that, you know, just decided to walk out the door and say, see you later? Well, he talked about that almost explicitly when we talked to him is that, you know, guys, especially who are thinking about maybe signing a pro contract, a guy like, you know, last year, Micah Miller, for example, who is now in Tucson in the AHL, um, you know, having that open door policy about like, hey, if, if you're feeling like you see an opportunity somewhere, you, you know, talk to us, we're not going to punish you for thinking about your future and thinking about what's going to be best for you as a hockey player and as a person. Uh, you know, and I think that extends to guys who maybe are thinking about dipping into the transfer portal. Um, you know, Chase Brand, for example, maybe starts to see the writing on the wall. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, uh, Vieti Miatnin, Adam Ingram all returning, right, uh, along with Jack Peart. Uh, Kyler Kupka and Zach Okabe, both veteran guys on the front end that are returning too. You start to look at that and say, ooh, the, the top six suddenly starts to look a little thin in terms of me trying to get an opportunity there that I've been waiting in the wings for two, maybe three years. Um, and Augustana it ha- has a chance to, just like St. Thomas, have really good growth in, mm-hmm. you know, the first couple of years of their existence. So, um, I, I mean, both of those guys, uh, you know, Zemer, of course, you know, headed to Augustana uh, as well. Uh, I don't think Brett Larson had any issue having that conversation, and I don't think he had any issue being honest. You know, I think we saw the same situation. Uh, this is a name that maybe a lot of Husky fans might not remember, but Tyler Anderson mm-hmm. talking about how he was part of that national championship game run a couple of years ago. And then you look and it's like, ah, scholarship opportunity might be there. Oh, we're already carrying eight, nine defensemen. And you were the eighth defenseman, seventh defenseman for most of the year. You know, let's be honest about where we're at here. And I think that you have to respect that a lot more than a coach who's going to, I don't want to say bury you, but kind of give you false hope or false inkling that you're going to be able to do something or says, yeah, we are only carrying, you know, seven defensemen and suddenly they bring in two guys out of the transfer portal and you're looking around going, what do you mean? You just told me that I was going to be a regular lineup guy and now I'm fighting for my collegiate life here. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely get the sense that uh, both him and Dave Shyak, a lot of good conversations about Dave Shyak and uh, what he brings as kind of a player's coach in some senses and his good relationship with the players can't speak much for RJ Anga. I don't know enough about him in terms of that personal side, but um, you know, you look at Dave, like we mentioned, and then before that, Nick Oliver, who of course is now in Fargo guys that um, really liked interacting with the players on that personal level, played pickup hockey and at shinny essentially after every practice with a lot of these guys and liked to skate with them. Um, I think that policy extends beyond the ice, like you mentioned, when it comes to meetings like that. And now for St. Cloud, you know, it's Clark Custer again, uh, video uh, coordinator, essentially video coach uh, who took the spot of RJ Inga again after the departure of Nick Oliver, who again, uh, St. Cloud State alum as a player, as an assistant coach. Uh, got Teammates to- with a couple of those guys too. I mean, yeah, right. So, and and I think that's what's also helped Brett Larson too, right? No, and I think this is something that I want to touch on is when you have that 
let's just call it what it is, right? That younger presence, that guy, you know, guys who, whether you played for the exact program or not, I would say it's there's still a legitimate thing to be a college hockey player and to be on the coaching staff, right? There's a connection there, right? And despite the accolades we give Brett Larson and Dave Scheich, and they deserve every accolade we give them, I think there is just an extra level of comfortability when you have somebody that is close to your age in the locker room that is on the coaching side where you can maybe have an open conversation that maybe from the player's perspective, right? Cause it's one thing for the head coach to come out and say, Hey, open door policy, you know, whether you're happy, whether, you know, you feel like you need to talk about something that you don't like, it's still upon the player to take that opportunity. Right. And sometimes you're just not comfortable with that. Right. Whereas sometimes you get that younger voice in there that says, you know what, let's talk about this. I feel more with you. Right. Um, do you think that helps too with, you know, now with Clark Custer there? And I, I certainly think, and know from talking with Doug Oliver that that was a big part of it. Um, Cause Brett Larson mentioned, you know, he, he connects well with his age group and his players. Uh, can Clark Custer be that guy? And how important is it to have that guy in a coaching staff at a division one level? Well, you got to know what the players are going through on a day in day out basis. And of course the less far removed you are from that time period, the more you're going to be in tune with the way the system works. Right. You know, and it's a, it's a lot, easier too when you have a guy who let's say is breaking down video which is you know for a lot of young players who are used to being the guy at every level and suddenly you're making mistakes at the division one level someone's breaking it down on video it's kind of a vulnerable position for a hockey player who you know at, at, like a lot of athletes thrives on confidence thrives on feeling like they're doing the right thing they're being accountable to their teammates can you look at you know a kid across the room from you and be able to break down video but make him feel like hey it's not the end of the world this is how we're going to work on these things this is how we're going to adjust it and being able to not only look at that from a hockey perspective but be able to look at him as a person as a player like you know yeah you had a really bad turnover in the game against Colorado College last weekend you had a tough week of practice let's back up from the hockey a little bit how are you doing in school how are you doing in your personal life how are things going you know in your living situation knowing what those things take in the day out day in day out mentality let's not forget college hockey players i mean even in the summer yes they're training but once you get closer to the season i mean you're devoting a good six seven months potentially if you make a deep run where you're giving everything of yourself we had the conversation uh you know with kevin fitzgerald a couple of years ago and talked about how in the pod especially and during covid rules these guys hardly left their house or they were just going directly from there to the rink or doing online classes because uh, the restrictions, they didn't want to, anybody to get sick or anything like that. That takes a serious commitment. And that's not only a physical battle, but it's a mental battle too. So I definitely agree having someone who's a bit on the younger side, who was just in that program, who kind of knows the rhythm a little bit. Um, and you can look at it and simply say, Hey, couple of years ago he was there he was a part of that he was a leader on this hockey team he knows the expectation he knows what's expected of me and he knows how to get me to that next point and his criticism is definitely constructive and it's he's someone who's going to look at me like holistically as a person and make sure that I'm getting the best out of myself both quote-unquote professionally aka on the ice but also personally as well too um I certainly think the four coaches that the Huskies have um, there's no shortage of, you know, that effort that they bring uh, and that uh, personality, so to speak, um, in, in order to relate uh, on an interpersonal level. So let's let's close with this, right? Because uh, there's still a lot that's got to be 
decided, right? Uh, the Huskies conference schedule was released. I haven't seen anything. They're non-conference. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen anything on that either. Nope. Uh, but if I if I had to guess, just because the Huskies have done this, you know, over the past couple of seasons, uh, could we see Augustana as part of that non-conference schedule? Uh, I wouldn't shock me, especially with Garrett Raboyne, um, again, another former St. Cloud State assistant coach, uh, now manning uh, that program in its uh, first year. Uh, would not be surprised to see like Wisconsin. Um, it sounds like the Gophers may or may not be on that schedule. Uh, yeah, I, I, sure. I, I would lean closer to not. I mm-hmm. would think. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Mankato. I mean, Wisconsin. I mean, Mankato. I mean, whoever they are. Um, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked to uh, see one or the other, if not both of those squads on the list. Maybe even if you don't get Augustana St. Thomas for another go around too, that kind of has been uh, um, a look to. I also wouldn't mind to see a series against a team that's maybe a non-traditional team. Like how fun would it be to see like Fairbanks come in for a weekend? Um, and just have at least one series where you're welcoming in a team from out east. The Huskies did that a couple of years ago, like when Northeastern came in and actually gave the Huskies a serious scare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think you need more than one of those weekends. Um, I don't think you need to, you know, suddenly have an East Coast swing where you're on the road for six straight weeks or six straight games, I should say. Um, but yeah, I definitely think we're going to see a little bit more of a regional focus. I don't think we're going to see a true like old WCHA and that's that kind of thing. But I certainly think that you're going to have a group of 10, maybe 11 teams that you're going to kind of like pick a little bit year in and year out and kind of rotate on kind of a cyclic basis, so to speak. So, um, yeah, like you said, all those teams, I think, certainly fair opportunity. Two more questions before we end here, Noah. And again, Mm -hmm. thanks for joining me. Uh, We talked about where we find ourselves as far as the Huskies predicting in the NCHC. How about? in the country, right? Uh, this team was um, essentially at one point, number one in the country before, uh, shall I say, adversity hit the team, right? And they were, you know, it took some time to figure things out. They did. They had a pretty decent run towards the end of the year, again, winning a, the NCHC frozen faceoff, uh, which was nice, unfortunately, falling to the Gophers in the regional final up there in Fargo. But as far as compared to the rest of the country, is St. Cloud right back in the mix in a top 16? Are they top 10? What do you think? I'm going to say number 10 with the hope and slightly expectation that we're going to be surprised with better, if that makes sense. I think I see them right now as uh, a kind of bubble two seed, high three seed right now in the NCAA tournament, just because the additions of both the transfers and the freshmen that are coming in just leave a little bit of an unknown for this team here. Really, uh, is the goaltending going to be the same? You know, is Bassey going to have another great year? And how is the center depth going to hold up for this Huskies team? How are they going to look down the middle? I think if you start to see guys that are struggling the dot, struggling with the 200-foot game, guys that are struggling to adjust in the middle of the ice, um, that can really hurt a team really quickly. And a slightly young defensive core. So those are a couple of things that um, I think are question marks that we're not going to have the answer to as of yet. But I still think as a whole, this team is skilled enough. They're deep enough. They have enough returners. They have enough experience both on the coaching side, obviously, as well as on the ice that they're capable of being a top 16 team for sure. I'm not high on them as being like a top eight, top six team in the country right now, just because there, there's so many question marks, but I don't think there's many teams in the country. You look around that you can say, yeah, I'm definitive. They're going to be a top five team in the country. I think there's just a lot of turnover for a lot of teams, 
but I certainly think they're going to be in the mix. I think that, uh, you know, this group um, has the ability. And one of the things that hopefully they're going to be able to stave off that they really haven't the past couple of years is being able to handle the months of late January, early February, and early March. For whatever reason, that seems like kind of a hiccup time for St. Cloud. So they've done well in non-conference play. So if they have that kind of start, they're going to put themselves in a good spot again. And then they got to find a way to close down the stretch. So, but uh, a good finish to last season. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen them have success on the NCHD side of things, you know, winning the frozen face-off, of course. Uh, and then, I mean, having a chance to, knock off the number one team in the country last year. So certainly capable again. I'm high on them in terms of, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised, but I don't want to be overconfident out of the gate until we know a little bit more with some of the young guys. Last question. This is more NCHC related because there was an article also written by Adam Woden about Miami, right? And this is something we've talked about before. Uh, certainly the rumors at best, I think we need to make sure we, we yeah. preface this, but it, Adam Woden essentially suggesting that the NCHC, albeit all, it's kind of holding Miami hostage, meaning like, you know, there is that $1 million buyout that Miami, at least according to the NCHC bylaws, would have to pay to exit from the conference. Um, he suggested bringing in uh, a different team, that team being Arizona State. We've heard this back last winter. Travel and, would be a nightmare. Right. And essentially, that's what Miami of Ohio's athletic director said, like, you like you're like the conferences from whether it's what sport or another are trying to limit the travel. Right. And this doesn't make sense in that way. Uh, I want your takes. You know, and, and what I, what I mean by this is Adam Wons is basically saying, let Miami go. But is there an argument to be made that Miami is, you know, what they want to granted, I know they haven't been competitive, but you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, so there's, yeah. there's one well, and number two for for Miami in their current situation, right? Where what conference or what situation would welcome them in with the reported financial and shall we say athletic stability problems that that university is having? So I get Adam Woden's point of view. I'm just not sure it's covering all the bases. What's your thoughts? Well, we've talked about this before that the anticipation is if they move anywhere, they're going back to the ccha again um and potentially western michigan would join them although i think western really likes being in the nchc i think um, at this point just based on what western especially with the donation money they got i don't yeah. think they're going anywhere. yeah i don't either i think that's another team just logistically based on like geographical right. things would make sense um and like not saying that Arizona State, I mean, we're kind of waiting for the expansion of college hockey into the West that's going to be coming within the next decade, maybe half decade. Um, if Miami exits for whatever reason, there's a lot of teams a lot closer to home that fill that fit that bill financially and travel wise a lot better than Arizona State. I think that's just mm -hmm. where we have to go there. Um, I think what I pulled out most the notion that like the NCHC is holding Miami hostage. Um, Miami is kind of holding their self hostage because they need to be good at hockey. Like, well, and you know, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like that, but at, at some point it's like the, the argument is why do we really want Miami out of the conference? And I don't say that as an us or anybody in specific, but the, the talk continues to circulate. Oh, Miami hasn't been competitive. Miami hasn't been able to do this. The talk of that stems from the fact that 
since 2015, the Red Hawks have not had a great season. Mm-hmm. We're not having this conversation if they're finishing third in the conference every year and they're having on ice viability. Or at least up and down, right? Because it's yeah. cycles, right? North yeah. Dakota, again, seventh this year. Um, Colorado College, right? Who finally yeah. had a bounce back year this year. We're having this conversation because we're talking about parity and they're the only team that, uh, to use a partying reference, can't hang right now, uh, unfortunately, right. for whatever reason. Uh, and then you throw on the financial piece and all the other extracurriculars going on with that university. And suddenly they they kind of look like the bad apple that, you know, has fallen far away from the tree kind of thing. I I don't know. I, I think that you have to kind of pull it back into almost a local scale and say, well, you know, that team needs to be good first, regardless of the conversation of what conference they're going to be in. I think we're still way too early on this. I think we've got to see the expansion out West in college hockey, see a little bit more viability, see how long Island continues to develop on the East coast as well too. How does Augustana fit into the fold? Of course, they've got a lot of great facilities, a great opportunity for that program to be a staple in college hockey within the next half decade as well too. I think until you know those things, we're just not at that point where you're going to see a lot of movement either way. And if Miami feels slighted by that, I mean, one, the price point is there technically if they right. want to take it, but, num- but, but number two, I don't care if they're in the NCHC or the ECAC or the CCHA, that team's got to find a way to be better, you know, and I, that's got to be their short-term focus. And that's sort of my take on Woden's thing. And I want to get your quick, uh, quick thoughts on how crazy I am is I think the truth of it is actually flipped. I think Miami wants to be in the NCHC yeah. and I think they're, they're actually using the NCAA as a buoy, right? Because changing conferences, and, and a lot has been made about, you know, if Miami changed conference, somehow that makes them better. That's not what's going to fix the problem. Right. Uh, it's going to be, you know, whether it's recruiting or not, the NCHC teams want to be in the NCHC, right? In fact, mm-hmm. the NCHC um, from, Brad, uh, from Brad Schlossman has said that they have at many different times have uh, thought about expansion, the NCHC, right? But again, there's so much that goes into that, right? This is a place that teams and colleges want to be a part of because the competition's good throughout college hockey, probably the Big Ten now, right? Because of their resurgence. These two conferences are the most NHL-ready type development leagues in college hockey, right? So to me, there is no reason Miami would want to leave this situation because they're still getting the exposure. You're still playing against the better teams. Yeah. It's going to suck because if you're buried down, right. But that doesn't change all of a sudden. Like if Miami moves to the CCHA, that's not going to convince a recruit to all of a sudden commit to Miami. Because again, you look at their track record, they haven't been good, right. For whatever reason that is, whether it's coaching, whether it's, shall we say scholarship or money? I mean, it's probably a combination of all three, if we're being honest, but I think it's more the latter. Am I crazy? Well, I think it's funny. One of the guys that we skate with in the summer actually plays for the Fargo Forest, Bryson Bozer. He's a defenseman, a very young defenseman who just committed to Miami over this season. And um, it's funny because we were talking with our friend group and one of them kind of mentioned, they're like, yeah, he should have waited an extra year, you know, for a better offer. And I'm like, if someone asked you if you wanted to play in the NCHC every night, would you take it? Yeah. And you know what I mean? When that's, and that's my point is Miami still has that power because of the conference. Right. So to me, I think Adam gets it wrong. That's what I'm saying is that I think, Mm -hmm. I I don't think 
that Miami wants to leave right here and there. Yes, they've not been great. Yes, they know that, right? There's, there's, mm-hmm. They know it. They've been outright admitted that they've been bad. But again, there's not a better option for them, one. And number two, as you said, the reality, the, the issue isn't the NCAA. The issue is the program. Is they haven't what whether it's again we talked about the different reasons maybe throw recruiting in there too, uh, but it's got to come from within in that organization to make that change. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I it's such a it's such a hot button issue for the sense that uh, in in a good light uh, the fact that the NCHC has been a extremely strong conference besides the Big mm-hmm. Ten they've been right up there as probably the next best conference over the past couple of years. For the first time in nine seasons, they finally didn't have someone make the frozen four since the inception of the conference. I mean, that shows how strong they've been, but like, we don't have this conversation about a school like Dartmouth in the ECAC, right. even though they struggle almost chronically every season. And then suddenly, or a team like Merrimack who finally found success and kind of caught lightning in a bottle a little bit. And unfortunately didn't have the greatest showing on the NCAA stage, but um the Miami's focus, I think right now is just trying to get back to relevancy and be competitive in the NCHC. Um, and as we've talked about, the parody kind of goes along with the conference. If you go and you play in the CCHA, for example, Mankato, and maybe to a lesser extent, Michigan Tech, uh, and maybe Northern Michigan, they had to work so hard to make themselves relevant in the national conversation because of the strength of that conference. They did all of that work. And then their coaches end up going to another school. And now they're kind of rebuilding that process all over again, too. Miami has the luxury of they're already they've already got their foot in the door. They already have a seat at the table, like you mentioned. Now they've got to find a way to order the caviar without looking at a place. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, yep. so I think that I think that Miami just at some point, they just need a freshman class to come in or a group of transfers that kind of just catches lightning in a bottle similar to what we saw with colorado college maybe that's a coaching change i don't want to throw chris bergeron under the bus but like hasn't been great for him i mean let's be real um they're just at some point they're gonna have to find success but name a team in the country in college hockey that isn't saying the same thing yeah we've got to be good to continue playing college hockey because we need people to show up to the games and be financially viable the only way we can do that is to get good recruits and play good hockey there's that's a problem conducive to every team in college hockey. Miami is no different. Um, I think at least for the next three to five years, they're here to stay. I don't disagree with that. And I think the only time we do see any change, if there is another talk of expansion, uh, which I do think there is going to be some conference realignment again, could that be because of a college hockey conference out West? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but again, Augustana on board, uh, there's uh, another school out East that's talking about bringing both men's and women's hockey aboard. Uh, the conversations are there. The college hockey landscape is changing. And uh, at the end of the day, we're all for it, right? More yeah. hockey is more good, is better for the sport. So uh, with that being said, Noah, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for following us here in MNCAA. We'll be uh, essentially doing these uh, off-season recaps over the next couple of weeks. We'll probably then take a little bit of time off. Um, as, the, as we all know, the college hockey scene gets pretty quiet during the summer before we ramp up with some previews uh, for 2023 and beyond. So for Noah Grant, I'm Max, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>